0: Welcome to the Leadership School podcast. I'm your host, leadership and self-care coach, Kyla Kofer. Here at the Leadership School, you'll hear leaders from around the world sharing their stories and expertise on how to lead with balance and integrity. Our goal? Teach you how to be an extraordinary leader. My guest today is Cam Baudouin. Cam is the owner of Accelerated Accessibility. It's a full service accessibility consulting firm. He pulls together his experiences in sales, software development, and tech consulting to provide teams with fresh perspectives on tackling digital accessibility. And he's going to dive deep into that with us today, including on what it looks like to use tech and make sure your tech is accessible. So this is a really important conversation for us as leaders, and we're thinking about creating teams and services and products that are accessible for all people. I'm really grateful for this conversation. And as you'll hear, I've learned quite a bit. So please join me in welcoming Cam Bedwayne. Cam Baudouin, thank you so much for joining me here and the Leadership School Podcast. It is so fun talking to you. I'm really excited about all these things that you have to share today about leadership and accessibility. So why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll get started.
1: Thanks so much. First off, I'm super excited to be here. I love talking about accessibility, especially to leaders or in any kind of audience like this, because I can really highlight the fact that the importance of accessibility, but Let's get into that a little bit later. My name is Cam Bauduay. I'm a developer by trade. I started years ago working in accessibility at a a large organization with three letters in the acronym IBM. And I started off. On their development side and they'd thrown me this large uh list of issues they said cam go fix six thousand accessibility issues by yourself you're waiting for logins go figure it out so i said okay i can i can take that on and i fell in love with it it was so great because helping people get access to things that maybe they wouldn't be able to log into access to i mean we let's face it right Banks, if you're making forms for a bank, which is usually what you're doing if you're building websites for banks, that's, that's, it's so much greater when you have a better purpose to that and you can create an experience for someone who maybe needs assistive technology to access that, that information. I just went on from there. I ran with it. So I became a senior developer, and I went off to go start doing strategy and consulting as well. And I just ran from there. Now I run my own business. I have a full consulting firm on accessibility, and I help businesses large and small meet accessibility goals and timelines and strategy.
0: So one of the reasons I'm really excited about talking to you is because the idea of accessibility is sadly kind of new to me. And not the whole idea of it, but when I'm thinking about accessibility with technology. So that's what you're more specifically doing. You're doing accessibility with technology. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I just want to add, I want to say, you're not alone. (laughs) A lot of people feel like that. A lot of people don't know what it is. I think a lot of organizations don't know where it fits within their organization. And they don't exactly know uh, what it is or who it helps, what the benefits are of accessibility. So yeah, you're, you're not alone in that.
0: Well, that's why we're having this conversation, I guess. So yeah, I, am glad to know that. And I want, but I want to learn and I want to be here and I want to make sure that I'm showing up in a way that makes things accessible for everybody. And so when we say the term accessibility, what does that mean to you? What, what are you talking about when you say that?
1: Well, first, I'm going to start off with what everyone thinks accessibility is when they start to learn a little bit about it. And then I'm going to explain a little bit more on what it is as a whole, as, a, as an entirety of itself. So when we start learning about accessibility, we really think of accessibility equals blindness. And there's a very simple solution to that, a reason for that. And it's because... The easiest way to start your journey into accessibility is usually you download something called a screen reader, where, the, where it will read out the text on the screen back to you. So people think, oh, great. If it works with a screen reader, that means it's accessible. That means it works for people uh, with disabilities. But it's not only that. There's something called the Accessibility Guidelines that's created for the web. It's called the WCAG, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. I won't read all of it out. It is quite boring, (laughs) but but it's like the driver's handbook. You don't want anyone to read the driver's handbook to you. But these guidelines do introduce the fact that accessibility is so much more than just a single disability. We have to remember that a billion people worldwide have a disability. 15% of the world has some kind of disability. And so when you think about that number, we're talking about people with, who are neurodiverse, including people with autism. We're talking about people with blindness, people who are deaf. There's so, amputees, wheelchair, people with dwarfism. There are so many types of disabilities out there. And when you think, how do I make my technology usable by more people? That's what you got to focus on. And when we talk about when I, I love talking to leaders and business owners about it, because we start talking about things like accessibility improves your SEO. Accessibility makes it easier for uh, easier to read, right? Making fonts a little bit larger, making colors a little bit bolder, making your uh, simplifying your checkout process in your website to hint, hint, make people buy more products. All of a sudden. That conversation starts to make a lot more sense to people in either a leadership level or a business manager, those types of teams.
0: Yeah, it's not just about like doing the right thing or doing good. It's about well, this actually can help me increase my business, right. and make me more profit, and and do all those things. So you get you get both things. Yeah, get, exactly. this is a good right moral thing to do, but also. It's going to help you and not just help other people.
1: Yeah, exactly. And to add on to that too, you know, it is about doing the right thing, but the beginning, that starting conversation, I always lead with what matters to the person I'm talking to. If I get called into a diversity, equity, and inclusion teams conversation, I'm leading with the fact of how does this matter to your population or your, your, your public or, you know, your outward image, I'll start with that. But if I'm sitting in front of a of a twelve men on a board, t- you know, long board table, what am I doing? I'm talking about the business reasons of accessibility and the benefits and the return on investment, and there are lots. There's so many.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think I can wrap my mind pretty well around the business benefits of it. I what I struggle with is the practical, like what is accessibility? How do I make myself or how do I make tech more accessibility? You mentioned forms earlier, more mm-hmm. accessible. You mentioned forms and um, colors, fonts. These are a lot of different things to think about. So where would I start? Let's start at the beginning. Where do we start?
1: All right. The best thing you can do is start small. I'm going to give you two answers to that because one is going to be on the team building and more empathy side of things. You got to tell your team that it's this This matters, Right. Right now, we're having an explosion and it's a revolution really around that DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion conversation. And accessibility, people with disabilities are part of that conversation as well. So making your team know and aware of people with disabilities or just that what they're building matters. You need to adhere to certain standards because that will make your technology usable by as many people as possible. So number one we got to learn about the benefits and the empathy for people with disabilities. Number two, now when we talk about more of the building side, there's this whole idea in the world of accessibility called shift left. And what that means is thinking about people with disabilities as early as you possibly can. And I'll say that's even when you start to think of personas. I'm sure you're aware of personas when you're building any product or selling something, you got to build your ideal client, right? That would have to include someone with a disability. And it's easy to add on. Uh, some kind of disability to a persona. You can say something as easy as an example, maybe someone who's in a wheelchair. As a user with a physical disability, I want to be able to operate, use my app without needing any other devices, something like that.
0: So like actually actually asking people or or think, saying what does that person want instead of trying to figure out what they want on on your end?
1: I would add that as a third one. There are lots of companies out there who can help connect companies to people with disabilities, to do real live testing as well, which is hugely important as you as you go through this journey of engagement and empathy towards people with disabilities or people who are other than who look and feel and think differently than ourselves.
0: Yeah, and so I think when I have. In the past thought about disabilities, I've thought of very obvious ones like being in a wheelchair, missing a limb, being blind, being deaf. Um, those kind of, I call them major, like very obvious things. Um, but you also mentioned neurodivergent and colorblindness or difficult, maybe just difficulty with technologies in a way because uh, of something going on. I don't know. So we're starting with empathy. We're starting with awareness, developing persona, like understanding what it is that people need. Um, and then where do we take it from there? Because we're, it's, it seems a little overwhelming to me personally, because I'm thinking there's so many different people to try and not cater to, that's not the right word, but try and be aware of. And so how do you catch everybody?
1: Yeah. And we have to understand that we're not going to catch everybody. There's no way that me, myself, as a able-bodied white male, will ever be able to truly understand the lived experience of anybody else, really. So we have to accept that. We have to understand that our lived experience is our lived experience. But to bring in other people with disabilities, it's going to be a really important step in this whole journey. Maybe I'll give you an example of a really great way to start to think about this. Maybe someone listening owns a company that builds websites. Pretty typical company these days, tech leads, something like that. Maybe they're called by police service or some kind of hospital who wants to have a website built. And I love this example because this is something that we've all had happen to us at some point. Have you ever been in an emergency situation? Any kind of emergency situation? Of course you have. Yes. In that situation, your cognitive load is quite high. You're panicked, right? You don't know what's happening. Child's choking. Something's having a heart attack. Something like that is going on. If that website that you're trying to contact, maybe you're trying to contact the hospital or, or poison control, something like that, doesn't have that phone number right up big and in center, you're going to have a hard time finding that phone number just because there are so many things going through your mind right away. That's a great argument for content simplification and making fonts big, isn't it? Just making sure that something like that can be read in any situation very easily is going to benefit not just someone who's blind or used a screen reader, but also anyone who's in an emergency situation as well. So as soon as we can start to think about the fact that this benefits everybody, all of your clients, all users, instead of just the people who have disabilities, the easier this is gonna be. So now you ask the question, where do you actually like start with this whole thing? It is overwhelming. And for someone who's brand new into it, for someone who's first time hearing about accessibility, maybe even this call, you gotta to talk to a developer and get them to start talking about or learning about the web content accessibility guidelines But I also love videos out of the UK, actually. They have some really neat ones where it's just empathy building and starting to understand what people with disabilities experience. One of them actually is um, they started a pop-up store without any labels on any products inside the store. So people would walk in and say, what are you selling here? And the clerk would say, I don't know, there's no labels. What better example is that than to understand what it's like if you didn't speak the language? Maybe you can't read what's on the can. If you weren't able to see what's on the can, or in an, again an emergency situation, if you're trying to read something quickly and it's too font is too small, something like that, maybe the colors are off. Maybe it's it's so complicated. But the people going through that process start to understand and really appreciate what it's like to either live with a disability or you know experience the world with uh, differently from how they would experience it.
0: Wow, that's a really powerful experience and example. Like to actually to be in there and experience that. And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay. Well, how do I know? What if I need shampoo, but I bought deodorant? Or, you know, what if you need chicken, but you bought beef because it was in a package without a label? You know, you just haven't really thought about all those things. And yes, I see though now we really can't anticipate in advance every single person's needs, but we can try and have empathy for for making an effort and also thinking about who who are we serving? Like what is the group of people that we're serving in our nonprofit and our organization and our our companies? What is that population and what is helpful for that population specifically? And if we're serving larger populations, then you're going to have to think larger. You are going to have to think through a lot more of these, these issues.
1: Yeah. And to add to that too, is that we're not going to get it perfect the first time we do it either. You're not going to get it perfect. You could do audits. You could spend a bunch of money. You could hire You could do all these things. But as soon as technology changes, it's progress, right? This is the same as an exercise regime or a diet or money saving. This is a journey. This is a, a, an understanding of the world or understanding of people more than it is of a check checkmark or a, or a tick. Let's just make sure we hit this metric and then move on from there. We're done accessibility forever. It's not like this. This is a behavior and a team change and a very worthwhile one as well. Yeah,
0: it's part of, part of the, the culture that you create and the part of the creating and the being and the. The development of any type of product, this has to be an an element of it. So, when we're thinking about technology, thinking websites and the way the information that we read, but you mentioned forms, Mm -hmm. so I can't let go of this because it's in my head and I'm thinking, okay, what forms do I have? That's like contact forms or like fill out for this ebook or something like that. Uh, So, in forms, is it really just making sure font is larger, colors stand out? Are there any other things like tangible that we can think about and start adding right now? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You gave two really great examples. Your fonts need to be large enough. The colors need to be accurate. And so uh, let me, let me add. So if we imagine a form, build a form together, okay, let's call it a contact me form. Mm -hmm. So we got a contact me form and let's imagine it's got uh, your your name, your email, you've got a button at the bottom and maybe there's a um, a check mark for privacy policy or something like that. Let's just make it really easy. So that form will have a checkbox, which needs to, adhere to the HTML standards and also anything that can be interacted with needs to have an outline around it. And this is standard. This is, a, this is standard. If you're building your website using the, uh, the HTML standard, this should come out of the box. When designers, we start to get involved with that and we start to get people who are like, oh, no one likes to see outlines around things anymore. Let's take it out. You're actually creating barriers for people who have uh, motor disabilities, who can't use a mouse. So they're pressing tab through the, through the form. And all of a sudden, that border you see around the inputs where you put your name, if that's gone, you don't know where you are on the screen. It's like your mouse is invisible.
0: Yeah, I've actually had to use that before, you know, times when my mouse didn't work or something and I had to tab over for things. And, and it's been really frustrating.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I can tell within a few seconds, if there's a website that needs accessibility, I just start tabbing through the website. If I can convince a developer to do one thing, it's to press tab and press enter before they upload code or push code. Because that's visual, man. That's something you can see right away. And you'll be able to tell if this web, if this form or this website is inaccessible by just seeing if there's missing that outline. So that's called a focus state for anyone who's technical is listening. So you got to make sure your focus states are on anything that is interactive. And then if you go to that button, you gotta make sure that button can also be interacted with the keyboard. So you gotta press Enter and make sure that submits the form and does things like that. Everything you do on your website should be fully functional with the keyboard or with the mouse. Like it doesn't matter which piece of technology you're using. Opening that, uh, open that to anyone is really important. And you also make anyone who's a bit technical really happy. If you've ever tried to fill the long form, like a really long form before, and you're probably not clicking on every single input as you go through, you're pressing Tab and you enter some in info, you press Tab. And- Imagine if that long form, if you got thrown off somewhere, maybe your screen was resized and, you know, where are you, right? If you don't if you don't have a mouse, you're really lost if you don't have those outlines around uh, around each element. So so there's some things to think about.
0: Interesting. Interesting. You know, I'm definitely going to be checking out my website after this call, going straight there and checking these things because I don't know if my website has them. I think that's really, really valuable. But you mentioned HTML standards and that, like you said, was it a WebEx standard, uh, but you had a couple of things that we could go look up for ourselves um, mm-hmm. if we want these detailed lists of what we need to have. Can you tell me what those are again?
1: Sure. It's called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. And these guidelines are quite large, okay? There's there's 50, 50 checkmarks that you have to kind of go through, and they don't always apply to every single thing. So for example, one of those checkmarks is audio description. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means if I have a, if I have a, a video and something happens on screen, I should be describing that scene to say what's happening on, on screen and uh, so that users who can't see, they'll be able to benefit from a, an explanation of the scene as well. Well, if your website doesn't have any videos, that doesn't apply to you. So you can really get bogged down by thinking about that as, as a checklist. That's why the best thing you can do is just start to Use the web, use your technology with something other than just a mouse and keyboard. There's also lots of Chrome plugins. I'll give you one from Microsoft, which is called Accessibility Insights for Web. It's a free plugin on Chrome. Just run it and it'll tell you what's missing on your website.
0: That's amazing. I didn't know that existed. Access- again.
1: Accessibility Insights for Web. Yeah, it's a Microsoft product. So. And, then, and now these scanners aren't perfect. They never replace a true person testing as well, just like you know, robots still can't drive, even though we want them to, they still can't drive or cook us dinner. So we'll never get a hundred percent there with the automated tools, but it's a great place to start. it's what I recommend to everyone who's just starting off in accessibility.
0: Awesome. So you had mentioned videos a second ago and um, videos on your website. So when we say doing videos and making sure like describing a scene, that kind of thing, are we doing that in the captions? Are we doing that in, the audio for the video like every time i create a video should i start out with things and describe what's happening describe the scenes is that appropriate for a video is that too much is that overkill there's so many questions right now
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you're asking the right and you're asking the right ones cuz it is overkill 99% of the time i have friends who are blind who say i just wish that they would get to the point right you don't need to describe absolutely everything it's just too much information but If you're filming an action movie, or actually, I have a really great example. Anyone who's listening, if you have Netflix, go watch Daredevil, okay? Go to the settings on the actual Daredevil episode, and go turn on audio description, and you'll hear exactly what it's like. So unless you're filming a Hollywood movie with lots of kind of stuff going on, I'd I'd even tend not to record too much audio description, because unless it really adds value to the scene, it's it's too much. It's irrelevant. But you mentioned captions. And I want to say something about captions. Did you know that eighty percent of social media users now watch videos without any sound on?
0: That that doesn't surprise me because I do that.
1: Exactly right. Even when I'm here and I've got no one around in this office, thanks for thanks, COVID. You know, <laughs> I'm still watching video with no sound on because I, you know, I'm doing something else or or whatever. You know, I'm in bed next to my wife and I'm, I'm watching a video, something like that. Don't want to disturb her. So if you're not adding captions, and there's free tools out there adding captions, you, YouTube adds captions. You just need to correct a few words for that. You're really benefiting everybody on, on there. So this is a really important point to social media, especially. We got to be adding more captions to social media. And I think everything except LinkedIn now adds captions automatically, and you can edit them and things like that. So it's really important now to add captions and just benefits so many people. I've had lots of people uh, that I've spoken to with disabilities and said, you know, the pandemic? has really opened up a lot of really neat things for them. They said, like, Zoom all of a sudden, having the captions option is hugely valuable. And that was a paid service before, but the disability, the accessibility movement opened up that opportunity and really helped push Zoom towards allowing captions and transcription to be added automatically to the service. So there's there's something else that's bad.
0: I didn't even know that Zoom had that option. (laughs) But I'm going to be using it now because it's really valuable because I'm a very visual person. And um, even if I'm watching TV, I like to have the captions on because there's often words that you don't hear you miss. Um, That's how I actually random rabbit trail. But that's actually how I learned to speak Spanish is I would watch Spanish soap operas. We'd watch them with sound on and captions. And you would be reading and hearing the language as you went. And I learned to speak the language. That well, I learned I did a lot of other things, but it was very (laughs) beneficial to my learning the language. So I actually really love captions. So that's really interesting. And when we're doing auto captions, do they do a good job of of adding in some of those descriptions or those a music is playing, a song is playing, Mm or things like that?
1: So there's a whole idea of good, better, best. Okay. So if you're just starting out, auto captions, in my opinion, are just fine. Absolutely fine. I have, I, have, I have friends who use them. As long as you're speaking slowly and clearly, auto captions actually do a pretty okay job, except for you know proper names and things like that, where they kind of got to get tweaked a little bit. Now, if you can afford it, if your company is ready for it, you can go and pay for something called CART service, and this is live captions by a human typing, and it'll write that up. Maybe you've seen this in, the, in the, on the news. You know, whenever there's a you go somewhere, the news has those captions. That's actually somebody there typing that up as they go. And it'll appear a few seconds later. Of course, even beyond that, you can go and hire a sign language interpreter who can sign as you're speaking and have that on the window. So there's lots of different levels of how accessible do you want to make this presentation or make this experience? I don't think there's a good or or bad answer uh, to this. Obviously, large organizations should do their best to make something as accessible as possible because you really don't know who your audience is. You don't know if someone has a visual disability. And maybe they would appreciate having, you know, a text that that they could hear afterwards or some of that. Maybe they didn't catch everything. You don't know if someone maybe has uh, three things going on at the same time and they'd really appreciate to read it afterwards. And and so there's lots of benefits to, to many, many users by making an accessible presentation, or accessible experience, including those captions.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, my head is kind of spinning. I'm, usually I have a lot more questions than this, but I, I'm just, there's so much information. I'm kind of taking it all in and thinking just for myself, how I can tweak little things. You know, I've done things like on social media posts, whenever I have a quote on the, like if I do a picture, I do a quote, I also put it in the comment or the description. I put the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's useful or not, but I feel like it is. So I put that in there and, and try and yeah, do some yeah. things here and there. But I feel like, Wherever I'm at, I can always do better and I can always always Mm -hmm. make more of an effort, but I also don't want to send myself down this black hole of trying to do everything and trying to be perfect, perfect, you know, be a Mm -hmm. perfectionist Mm -hmm. about this. Because like you said, there's always more and there's the good, better, best, and we can always grow and it's changing. So Mm -hmm. uh, these are just really helpful of a few things that we can do. So, so far I've heard empathy, ask, just ask people what they need. I've heard The technology tools like the Chrome app, the WebEx standard, or the web standards. What was that again? To that name again?
1: WCAG, the WCAG or the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines.
0: Guidelines. So there's some guidelines that we can look for. Thinking about basics like making your information very clear, readable, Mm -hmm. color popping. I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Hey, I'm really grateful that you're listening to the Leadership School podcast. Since you've listened this far in, it tells me that you're really enjoying it. It would mean the world to me if you could think of one person right now who might really benefit from this content. Take a second and share the podcast with them. Let's spread the word and grow leaders with integrity and balance. So what else? What, what are some other things that we could be thinking about, especially for leaders? So the reason I'm bringing this topic is because leaders need to be thinking about these things. We're leading organizations, we're leading ourselves. And it's important when we're leading other people to be aware of these things and think about it because disability isn't just making sure that there's a wheelchair ramp for the person to come right. work there. It's it's thinking about all these different areas. So what are some things that would really benefit leaders to be thinking about as they're leading teams companies, or even just yourself, as you're, you're wanting to grow as a person and wanting to be more open and more thoughtful and have more, have more empathy towards your neighbors, towards the people that you encounter every day?
1: So latest stats show that something around 80% of persons with disabilities are unemployed. And this is a huge number. So a lot of people with disabilities, usually uh, mental disabilities, They will hide their disability simply because it's easier to do that than to self-disclose. I know at a lot of organizations, they offer the option to disclose if you choose so, but that may be fine at the organization level. But then what happens just at the team level? Let's start again, really, really small here. The best thing leaders can do is work on that safe space model. And this is really, really important because when you have a safe space at work, then Well, first off, the retention just grows so much. You're going to lose less employees and things like that if you create that safe space. And this could be something as easy as, you know, I don't feel comfortable giving a presentation. That could be something as easy as someone with anxiety may need to work through that a little bit more to get to the level where they're ready to do it. It's also saying, you know, someone who has a glass eye. I knew someone who has a glass eye and she does not disclose it to anybody. And that was a really, really interesting thing, because if you were to approach her from one side, she would not be able to see you coming that direction. So she would always sit in a chair that was the other direction. And allowing people the space to be able to talk about that is just hugely valuable to your team, right? Like to make sure everyone can communicate openly. And we're not talking always about group sessions or team building exercises, but that can be one way to get people to have that safe space. By and large, people with disabilities feel marginalized or feel excluded more than anything else. I'm colorblind. <laughs> it's really funny because I sold jewelry for 10 years. And I didn't tell anyone that I was colorblind when I was getting hired because, man, I didn't want them to know that I can't tell the difference between a sapphire and a, and a ruby. But lo and behold, I was a pretty good jewelry salesperson, too. Yeah, that would,
0: that would impact, that could impact some things.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, but allowing your employees, allowing your team to to, to open up in, in that fashion. When you get someone who says, you know, I need to take some time off, that's giving them that opportunity, giving them that space. You know, there may be something that they're not disclosing to you that's underlying. I've been a manager before, had teams before, and you know, you hear one more person saying they need to take another dentist visit. It's like, what's going on here? But maybe there's something else going on. Maybe they're going through divorce. Maybe they're going through some other kind of mental health challenge. They're not comfortable yet speaking about in the office or at, at that team level. Maybe that's creating a bit more space around that. I think that's probably a really good place to start.
0: Yeah, I think that can be hard because in an office setting, a lot of things go through your mind. You think, one, I don't want to lose my job. Two, these people are not really my family. This is work, and I have like a line there. I separate things. Or um, just it could be like a personal boundary. I don't want people to know things about me all the time or I don't want to divulge too much because if I ever leave or if I ever need to be promoted or, you know, you have so many questions in your mind, so that can be really tough. And it really depends, I think, on the work environment, the company culture, the the type of company, you know, um, right. you might be, if you're in a, a small nonprofit at a church, you might be more vulnerable than you would be working, you know, in the Coca-Cola factory. Of course. Yeah. There's going to be some differences there, but I'm hearing a lot from you is what I would tell people to create spaces for vulnerability and non-judgment in your culture, to make it a space where you can be, you can show up as you need to be. And I'm not going to tell you you're terrible because you need a mental health day. Like Who knows what's going on in your life? You need rest and I need you to show up doing a good job here. And if you can't do that today because you need rest, then you should go get some rest. And I'm not judging you for that. But then also just for whatever the mental health disabilities, neurodivergence, and I still am learning what that, that term even means. And there, there are a lot of different things that could be going on with anybody. So creating space for that is mm-hmm. just really crucial in, in your team. And being the leader that people could trust will create that space.
1: Right, right. There's something in my world that I coach a lot of teams where it's like, I don't only work on the technical side. In fact, I work with a lot of accessibility professionals, accessibility consultants, and I teach them skills on how do you go talk to leads? How do you go talk to businesses? Because a lot of people come into this industry from either the dev, the development world, or the design world, or just the advocacy world, right? I'm, I'm a disability advocate. I have a lived experience. I'm in a wheelchair. And this is, this is you know, my, my passion. But then what happens is they get their first objection. They get a boss who says, like, I don't care, maybe don't say they don't care. They said it's not time for this. We know the budget. And these are objections that I think a lot of people don't realize that you're going to get everywhere, right? No matter what you're trying to sell, no matter what you're trying to do is you're going to get the objection of no time, no money everywhere you go, right? Yes. So I help coach teams on how do you get around that and how that's normal because we take it personally. We take it very personally in the the accessibility world and the advocacy world when they're saying no to the idea, but we feel they're saying no to the disability. We feel they're saying no to the, to the group. And that's one, one more step of marginalization that's happening, even though it's not intended that way. So when I talk to accessibility professionals, when I talk to accessibility consultants, I tell them that there's about five steps in getting to where you are right now. Okay. So number one is total ignorance, right? We've all heard these people. Actually, I'll tell you a story. My friend's daughter was just diagnosed with childhood arthritis. I didn't even know you could get arthritis as a child. And because of the uh, of arthritis, one of her knees was swollen. And because there was reduced blood flow, one of her legs is now shorter than the other. So she walked with a bit of a limp. So let's, let's, let's imagine this scenario and how people would move from the level of total ignorance towards compassion. Okay. Yeah. So number one, And this can be for an organization who's talking about accessibility or any kind of other kind of uh, mental health issue, things like that, are saying things like, oh, your daughter, you know, what did you do? You didn't let her run around enough. You gave her too much sugar. Uh, It's the parent's fault. You know, total. It's not us. It's you. We don't have any business doing this. It's all on you.
0: Yeah, you did something wrong.
1: Yeah. It's all on you, right? And as you're moving through these steps, you start to realize that the more you add compassion to this conversation, the better, the better it gets. Because you go from ignorance towards pity. Oh, poor child, poor family. They're going to be stuck for life. Woe is them. No one wants to hear that. That doesn't help anyone, but it is a step. much better than ignorance? Let's, let's at least agree to that, that that's a much better. Ignorance. And then you move on to sympathy, right? Not empathy, but sympathy. So someone's saying, Oh, you know, I know someone who had childhood arthritis. He got over it, though. You'll be fine, right? Kind of in that level of, of maybe being a little flippant. But then you move off to empathy and something really interesting happens because you stop caring about the you and you start caring about the them. You start asking questions like, that's a really big thing you just told me. You know, what can we do to help? And when you move off into final compassion, you can start to say something like, man, your family must be going through a lot right now. You know, what can we do to help? And when I coach accessibility professionals, the same thing, I say your clients, your bosses, the people you're trying to convince are just not at that level here. They're not at the empathy and compassion level here. They're still down here at the, you know, sympathy, maybe even down to the pity level. They just don't care. They can't get there yet. So our job is to really coach them on moving up that line, moving that, that needle towards the empathy and the compassion level that they can start to get a better understanding for a lived experiences of other people. And I think the same thing happens with organizations as a whole team leads. doesn't matter who it is. We all move through those steps.
0: We do. And we move through them in different areas of our life too. It's, it's that experience. I mean, experiences change us, relationships change us. So, until we know someone who's been through it, gone through it, um, we don't understand. I remember, I mean, this is very rudimentary, but I remember watching parents before I had kids and being like, well, when I'm a parent. I'm not going to be like that. You know, you say like, oh, when I'm in that position, I'm never going to have that problem. And then you become that position.
1: You're like, oh. I'm- I'll never give my kid uh, my my phone at a restaurant. I mean, like, I'm going to teach him to live without a phone.
0: Right. Yes. You
1: throw it out and- the door for about two months in, right? You're like stop
0: (laughs) yes my kids will never play nintendo well we know what my child's doing right now while i'm on this podcast (laughs) yeah so we we do we make these generalizations and these like well and it's kind of like this uh, a little bit arrogant uh, the arrogance that we have Mm -hmm. of well i'm better i know better i've got it i've got it figured out i'm gonna do something better than the other until we become that and we realize oh wait Experience as a great teacher, and I have to apologize to some people now, or at least kind of um, maybe walk out, go out crawling, knowing, Oh, I I really messed up and I really need to backtrack here a little bit. But when we move to that point of compassion, don't be down on ourselves, just admit it, accept it, own it, and go, Okay, so what can I do better? When I teach my kids to apologize when they've hurt someone, that they have to go through this system. They don't just say, I'm sorry, they say, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry are you okay? Is there anything I can do to make it better? I make them do all of those steps. And I think this is a bigger version of that saying, okay, I have to see if you're okay. Own what my role is in this. And then what can I do about this? What can I do to make your experience with us better? Because... You know, especially if we're in leader business, we're trying to sell something. And if we mm-hmm. want to sell something, what can I do to make your experience with me so great that you want to continue to work with me and operate with me? Or just at a, a basic level, what can I do to make your experience so great that you stay working with me or that uh, we can accomplish great things together?
1: Yeah, yeah. And using your same example, I'll bet you, though, that the first time your kids hurt someone or did something wrong, they didn't say those three things or they didn't accept those three things. It was even probably not even a sorry at the beginning. But we guide people through those steps, don't we? We tell them this is important because this is like, you know, you're you're helping other people or you're you're going to make up for what you did. And you're not going to get it every single time. I know My son, he doesn't apologize every single time and doesn't always work like that. But that's okay. It's okay as long as we accept that it's okay. And us as consultants or team or coaches, we accept that that's okay because that's what we're doing. We're just coaching people towards that better destination of, a fully accessible experience, a fully apologetic child or you know an engaged company.
0: Yeah, I think people know that you're trying. You know, if you get it wrong, but you can say, "Hey, we got this wrong. Let's try again." People aren't going to just not or going to cancel you because you got it wrong one time. They want to that you build that loyalty because people see that you make an effort and that you care, that you have that compassion that you you want to be better. But if you come across this attitude of like, "Well, tough <laughs> you know no one's gonna <laughs> no one's gonna want to interact with you yeah, but yeah. you can own mm-hmm. uh, own and take responsibility for your role in things and little things like oh look now that i know i'm gonna go to my website i'm gonna make sure i can tab through it i'm gonna make sure that there are borders around all of my buttons mm-hmm. um, i'm gonna make sure that i can do this because i see now the importance of it
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: awesome well y- Cam, we have been talking about this the whole episode. This is my favorite thing about this podcast is that every single episode, I ask these two questions to everybody, but we've already been talking about them the whole entire time. And so I I think it's just fun how these things weave through our conversation, but I just want to ask directly anyway. So what does integrity mean to you?
1: Really easy. It's doing the right thing when no one's looking. And I think that just that, that just describes everything, right? Because you have no one, no one's looking at you. No one's your police officer. Actually, I got, I got a kind of funny story. I mean, it was, it was when I used to do consulting at a, at a large bank, I used to walk into meetings with the Darth Vader music playing because I said, oh, I'm the accessibility police. And guess what? That didn't get me anywhere. But <laughs> when I finally started to coach, and I, well, it did, you know what did get me? It got me less meetings. I'll tell you that. It got me a lot less meetings because no one wanted to have the accessibility police in. But when I started to change that and I started to teach people on, you know, the importance of this and even myself, just thinking that, you know, this is just something to do, it's something to do because it's, it's just the right thing to do. And when you get people to internalize that they can just, and you go back to them a couple months later and you said, yeah, everything's already accessible or yeah, it's already done the way you wanted. And you're like, oh, it's stuck. I didn't have to police you. I, you know, something in there was just the right thing to do. So that's stuck. So that's what I think integrity.
0: It's And in, in two in that, you're also connecting to story. It's that, that story. What is the story that we're telling ourselves? The story we're creating for ourselves? The story we're telling about ourselves to other people? Putting that in there. So doing the right thing when no one's looking. I really love that. Um, what about balance? What does it look like to you in this world of accessibility and um, just you as a person, as a dad and all of this? To live your life without burning out, without exhausting yourself, and to be able to do this, so that you can continue to tell these stories um, and change this the world um, for a long time.
1: Yeah, and that's a really great question because I think that that it comes in cycles, doesn't it? You know, sometimes we're engaged, we're on the ball, we're, we're we're you know in flow state, however you want to call it. We're in sync with the world, we're in sync with what we're doing, mind, body, soul, all that kind of stuff. And then there's other times where we're just like, I still like what I do. I'm lost, right? Like I'm, I'm out, I, I feel dissonance inside my heart, like something's not right. And it's not always external. Some, sometimes it is, right? External things can happen, but that's often, I was feeling that six months ago, you know, what do I do, this business, this consultant, like, where are we going with this? What's the problem? But that's usually a trigger to me to find something new. Go find something new that that you haven 't really explored before go find something interesting that you haven't really you know touched on before or or really experienced and things like that so that 's how I really start to reconnect now it's now it's passion in fact I jumped in pretty deeply to uh, making videos on on LinkedIn because by the way if you want to have a whole audience of people that is looking for fun videos, look at the LinkedIn audience. It is not a place to just be stodgy and boring now. Go be fun on LinkedIn anyone who's listening. There's a lot of really great people on there making a lot of fun stuff, hopefully myself included. And I've jumped into that really deep and it's, it's been a great experience talking about accessibility in a totally different way. You know, this is something that, you know, now I'm, I'm loving it. And, and in fact, you know, I'm having so much fun sometimes that I get my wife involved and my kid involved and we're doing videos together and doing these little funny things. I got my, my son involved in a video the other day about what is bringing accessibility in at the end versus at the beginning. Well, I had a, a piece of cake and I cracked an egg on top of that cake that was already baked and I started mixing it with, uh, with a mixer. Of course, that doesn't work. It just makes a really big mess. Doesn't that show that integrating something at the beginning works a lot better than integrating something at the end? And then my son at the end is just there saying, blah, no thanks, I don't want that. So bring them in, I, I try to involve my family and the people around me into my passions as well. And and, and I think that keeps in balance. If they if they're not interested, you know, I do it by myself for a little bit, then I get back to uh, you know, bring them in or, or doing my own thing later. Not only that, I love to go on the Peloton too. <laughs>
0: get exercise, connect with people. These are all things that I love and that I promote so much because it's so valuable to and it it makes our life's rich and full. Uh, Those connections those building relationships with your family and and even on social media. um, I can't wait to go see that video on LinkedIn. It sounds really funny. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's making it fun, making your life fun, your passions fun and making it interesting in a way that makes you want to show up and engage in a, in a healthy way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so personal to us all, isn't it? I could be passionate about spreadsheets. I could be. And Go do it go find something if you're if you're an accountant if you're if you're a, a lead of some sort and your team just has, isn't energized or if you're feeling a little bit down if you're not feeling like this is really motivating you inside go find something fun that you can do that relates to it or go make something fun go 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 just find something that no one's doing and, and go try it out look it's I'm having fun with social media because I think it's entertaining it's one more thing that might not be you but I don't know what's interesting in the spreadsheet world. Maybe maybe doing spreadsheet drawings is fine, like making them, you know, a specific pixel size and drawing them. I don't know. But, you know, finding some interesting things in what you're doing. You don't have to leave it. You don't have to put it all aside. You don't have to quit. You don't have to quit. I don't have to quit accessibility. I don't have to quit spreadsheets, but I can still find something in there that's, that keeps us, uh, like, it all running all together. You know?
0: Oh, that's awesome. Man, you just have my my... My like brain's spinning today. I'm. I can't wait to just kind of go and start implementing some of these things. And I'm thinking now, like, okay, so what can I do to make to have some more fun in what I'm doing? Make some more fun in this podcast. Make it more entertaining and silly. I like the word silly. Why don't we use that more? I like that word.
1: <laughs> be silly sometimes. Isn't it okay to be silly sometimes? We we let our kids be silly. Yes. Why can't we be silly sometimes as grownups?
0: We can. We all appreciate it. I know I do.
1: Everyone's got TikTok now, right? I mean, like, where do we find it? Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: here, let me back up. Yeah. What were you saying? You said something about TikTok.
1: No, I just said, you know, TikTok's popular now. There's a reason it's popular. Let's have that little fun side. And I'll just let you know that TikTok videos are crushing it on LinkedIn. I'll just let you know that. Maybe not the dancing part, but having a bit of fun in a business environment is what i was looking for these days. So it's okay. Go do it.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, is there anything else before we go that you would like people to know? Or anything else that you feel like you want to make sure people have heard?
1: You know, we didn't talk a lot about alt text, alternative text. That's one thing that uh, I'll just highlight because it's one of those basic things. It's adding descriptions to images on websites that maybe there's an image on there. You need to describe it to make sure that it's understood by the use of assistive technology. It also boosts your SEO and things like that. There's one other easy quick tip, and you mentioned it very briefly with descriptions there, but inside, if you've got a WordPress instance, for example, you can add alternative text right into that image. And also on any social media platform, also add alternative text to everything. That just helps so many users. It's, it's really amazing.
0: Okay. So I don't want to feel ridiculous right now, but I actually did not know what that was. Every time I see this, when I'm doing websites and it says alternative text, I'm like, I don't know what this is. So I skip it, but I know I should not skip this.
1: <laughs> yeah. For people who use uh, any assistive technology, it's not only screen readers, but I'll use them as an example. They don't see the image, right? So they'll only hear the description of the image. So it's it's for them. I didn't know that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I suppose I could have always just Googled it, but it's something like you never. I never thought to Google. That's just so simple. And I feel like it's something I should have known and I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't. So I'm really glad that you said it. <laughs> cool. Well, Kim, thank you so much How can we find you if we are wanting more, more information, more? Someone wants to hire you as their accessibility coach. How can we get in touch with you?
1: I am hyperactive on LinkedIn. I think I post. I'm up to two almost three times a day now just anything about accessibility and communication styles including people in conversations things like that that's where I am and you can also tune in to the LinkedIn live that I'm doing every Friday called normalize it where I'll be talking to people with disabilities I'll be talking to mental health experts uh, I think I'm talking to you in a couple of weeks also we're going to bring you on the show and yes. talk about your world yeah. a little bit more and can't wait to wait for that but uh, no, LinkedIn is definitely my, my place to be found and yeah reach out I'm always open to have a conversation
0: awesome and we'll make sure to put that a link to your LinkedIn in our show notes for everybody to find you um thank you cam so much I have learned a lot in this episode and I'm just really grateful for your openness and for your willingness to teach without judgment and it's all up to speed uh, I'm really excited to see what how this changes the way that we interact online
1: absolutely yeah it was a great time being here thanks so much for having me
0: Thank you for joining me on this journey to grow in our leadership. If you enjoyed this episode, you've got to check out the leadership and self-care coaching programs on my website at kylakofer.com. Let's change the world together.